Welcome to my basement, everybody. Happy Friday. I always love doing live Vic's Basement podcasts on Friday. I've got two terrific guests, and I got their name keys in the right place at the right time, just in the nick of time. Sam Miskovich from Ars Technica and Mike Williams from PC Mag, two very, very smart gentlemen that are paying attention to all kinds of cool things that are happening in the world of video games. Let's start with you, Mike. How are you doing, buddy? I'm always doing great. And it's Friday, so, you know, once I'm done this, I can relax and pick some random thing on streaming because there's something on every streaming service these days. Oh, it's crazy today. Fridays, I always thought were going to be kind of a chill day, but there's so much stuff that drops on Friday. Yeah, Uh, yeah. so we'll talk about that. Sam, how are things going with you, my friend? Solid, you know, just hanging out, listening to uh, Lil Nas X and BTS and all my other favorite pop songs for people way younger than me. Uh, No, it's beautiful. The sun just showed up in Seattle about 10 seconds ago. So uh, that's reflecting well on my very, very pale skin. And I'm excited to hang out with two of my favorite uh, super nerds in the gaming sphere. Oh, oh, that's very kind. Uh, I see you get outside on your Twitter every once in a while. I'm always happy to see your smiling face when you go for walks and things, even if it's behind a mask. It's good. Hey, listen, I'm happily beyond the second vaccination dose, and I'm also happy to keep on wearing masks so people don't know exactly how I feel. It's not I'm, I'm just I'm just into having some mystique to work with. Yeah, yeah totally. See, I, I would take walks. I normally do. But we are in the middle of pollen season. and I have, uh, uh, Allergies hit me hard. So basically, like I, like I look outside. It's so beautiful. But I can't go. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the graphics I think of outside are really nice, Mike. Unfortunately, well, I mean, fortunately for for our line of work, Mike, you get to hide with all kinds of fun stuff, which I, I imagine do. we're going to talk about like five thousand pounds worth of it. Every every all of the good news going up right when the sun shows up, right, guys? That's the way it always goes. Hold on, I have to clear my throat here. One sec. I took some water, and of course, that makes me cough. Okay. <laughs> Uh, We do have lots of fun things to chat about today, and I just want to give a little uh, shout out to the people that have joined us live in the chat room. Uh, And this is a live video for those that are listening to this down the road, because what we do is we take this video piece and we uh, export it as an audio podcast. So thank you for listening. But if you ever want to join us for one of the live podcasts, please do, like Peter Kokasar did and Solitaire01, Robert Tallin, Nick Seabright is here, Um, I've got KFXG and Real Scrub and uh, Miru, Miru, Miryuku7, I always butcher that name, Sam I am 111 is here. Hello everybody, and of course, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Gaming Stadium. They are Canada's leader in online esports tournament facilitation. They got tournaments happening every weekend, like this one, so you don't want to miss out. You can join up with them at tgs.gg. All right, let's uh, get into this a little bit, my friends. I, I have a couple of um, topics or a few topics for us to start with. Uh, I think the big one this week is uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, EA dropped the review code on everybody, from what I understand, uh, a little bit later than they normally would. Um, how, how did you guys, uh, uh, have you been playing through it right now? Or are you? How far are you into these games right now? I mean, I got the code maybe 60 hours before the review embargo. So then I duct taped my <laughs> eyelids open and I chugged a strange and coffee. It was a mix of um, Balls Energy Drink and Red Bull and lukewarm coffee grounds and just streamline that so I can get through all three games and at least get a couple of romance options down. Not even close. Um, I <laughs> I decided that it was going to be more of a technical review on my end because in terms of the content, I think... Uh, for You're those, familiar with it. For, 
or well right. for anyone who's not quite caught up with it mass effect legendary edition takes all three original trilogy games yep. and packages them for current gen next gen and pc so you can either go on steam or origin to play it on pc or you've got playstation 4 playstation 5 xbox series xs and xbox one um and i, I took my time to just jump between the games in as many ways as I could. And thankfully on PC, you could take uh, save files from Mass Effect 2 and 3 and dump them into the uh, the PC versions that are current. But oh, that's cool. how little has changed structurally in 2 and 3. Um, if those are a little more on the side of textures have been tweaked and upscaled and other small quality of life fixes, but effectively they're very similar to the PC versions of 2 and 3. and. Uh, Mass Effect 1 is the one that really got scalped in a great way. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I had a buddy over and he looked at Mass Effect 1 on the Legendary Edition uh, during the pre-release period and, and just said, I don't know. And then I immediately went, because I was on Xbox uh, Series X and I had the 360 code and I put it side by side. And he goes, oh, okay. They did a really good, tasteful job. Um, and because yeah. it was, it, it's mostly the same gameplay with some really nice quality of life tweaks, but just on a visual basis, they cleaned up the motion blur. Now, if you haven't seen it in a while, that motion blur is brutal. It is yeah. really rough mixed with a really bad film grain effect, but they fixed the film grain and motion blur to look more modern. They tweaked a lot of the curvature and a lot of the jagged polygons to be smoother without changing the models. Um, right. And then they uh, they cleaned up the lighting in a really interesting way. There's a mix of dynamic lights that change based on where people are and how the shadows cast. And then there's just recast lights all over the place. And that matters because the faces are the same derpy faces and derpy <laughs> animations, which is fine. And I really think that you they had to find the right balance between, okay, how do we do this with that many hours of dialogue and that many choices without having to completely rechunk the code and what they did by making the lighting more balanced is like okay these are older faces but way easier to tolerate so just on that technical level i really dug and dig what they've done with mass effect one and that's important because if you're going to get the whole trilogy replaying the first one feels really good battling feels better i could go on about some of the quality of life changes but bottom line whether you're running and gunning or writing the mako you're in a much better position to have a good time with Mass Effect 1 within the trilogy. Uh, and also they left the ammo the same in Mass Effect 1. So you still don't have to deal with clips of ammo, which I am unfortunately like. I kind of like that you like when you kill somebody, you just get their loot. You don't have to walk over to any dead body. You don't have to scrounge or do anything. It just you just pick it up right away. Yeah, there's lots of little touches. Mike, how, yeah, how's your but, experience but, with it? Uh, I've only played a little bit of it uh, because I, you know, in, if I'm not reviewing it, I yeah. have very little time to actually play it. Um, but I mean, that's one of the things with uh, the remaster. Like there's a certain amount of bringing forward that nostalgia and not changing anything. Yeah. Uh, like you talk about the faces. Yes, they, they have some issues, but I feel they like would have run into so many more troubles if they had tried to fix them and update them and add more modern things to uh, the, the entire uh, package. Uh, and for me, I think mostly the exciting part is just seeing people talk about like Bioware again. Yeah. Um, like when they're at the top Bioware, of their game. All of their games, like we have people talking about Dragon Age again and just that sort of excitement around the company. Um, uh, you know, and whenever that uh, Knights of the Old Republic uh, remake comes out, you know, we'll, we'll have that we'll have that discussion again. 
Well, I'm curious what you all think about Bioware's future based on how Mass Effect Legendary Edition does, because I can't help but wonder if this was the perfect game to slot in during a very weird video game development era where studios are having to scramble and come up with ways to get stuff out every quarter that doesn't stink, that works, and souping up Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 and getting it out there and doing it right, and then selling copies of it goes right in the face of the usual EA narrative of games as a service and growing audiences with free options and things like that. Like I, I, I like the idea that maybe we get more games that are self-contained and tell interesting stories that all pile onto each other. Like I would love for this to at least get some smaller ambitious RPGs greenlit, but I wonder if you guys have any feelings or optimism or, Hey, it's EA. So never mind pessimism. I, I think the, the combination of, and, and the one that really changed them was probably Jedi Fallen Order, right. which they put out was a single done in one game and did very well for them. Probably like from an ease of selling and lack of issues, much better than Battlefront 2, which was their big service game. Um, so I think that combined with Mass Effect has sort of pushed EA into a spot where they can say to Bioware, just do what you do with a big enough like sh- like shine to it that we can push some copies out the door. Now, uh, how that will affect subsequent, like they're working on Mass Effect and Dragon Age now, I think those will probably come out as mostly done in one games. Well, it's, it's interesting After that... Mm. There's that that there was the pivot that we heard about that I don't know how many how long ago it was, but the whole Dragon Age team fought and fought and finally wrested control away from a plan to make it a Dragon Age as a service game that there had been an issue. And and I don't I mean, because that's internal reporting, we don't know 100 percent how true that is, but that something may have happened to drive Dragon Age back towards the good old Bioware era. And, you know, Jedi Fallen Order probably helped with that. And this is going to be another. Well, I think Battlefront 2 also, you know, like EA has been kind of slapped around, I think, by the community and by uh, legislators and by all kinds of people around uh, the planet that are sort of have their eyes on video games. But they um, there's I think they're still trying to figure out how to do this sort of games as service model. They've had Apex Legends do really well for them. And I think people that play that game are pretty happy with the way they serve that up. Uh, but I do think, you know, there's a lot of focus on uh, the microtransactions and their sports stuff right now. And I think they're trying to clean up their image. You know, I think they're trying to kind of reposition themselves as, I mean, they just opened that studio with the monolith lead uh, that's going to be making an open world action adventure game. And I think what we're probably going to hear, and I just reported on uh, EA Sports Big percolating again, perhaps that is coming back, which would be an excellent move for them. But I think we are going to see EA kind of, um, especially in this age of, uh, subscription. I think EA Play is probably doing better than ever now that it's tied in with uh, uh, with Game Pass. They're, I think they're going to shift. Well, I'll tell you, they they enjoy this weird buffer in the zone of that we all three operate in this game criticism world that kind of lets FIFA and other sports series. I don't want to say off the hook, but they're not our priority. Our audience, my audience, rarely ever says, hey, we need updates on the latest annual yeah. push of FIFA. Yeah. So those predatory practices that some of those ultimate team cards have throughout all the sports series, they get to kind of exist in this ecosystem. And yeah, I think if they were really smart on the financial level, they would just go, 
hey, let's keep doing that while we can. We're printing that money. Maybe we're terrible people, but we can also make room <laughs> for these one and done self-contained instant games that actually are selling. Now, number also, they got on Steam and that really helps on PC. Like totally. how do you get people to not pirate games on PC? It's an endless question. And the, the, the conversation about, about those economics aside, making it easier for us to just give you the money and have it work on Steam without having to go ugh, Origin or whatever other launcher they could be having. I, I, I imagine whatever percentage they're giving to Valve for that is worth it. I have yeah. that sense that that um, number of players who come in and go, all right, it just works is great. Um, and then also, I just got to say, this is one of those weird things that I rarely ever get to mention, but their online ops teams are mostly quite darn good and better and better every year. It's been a while since we've had whatever error code it was that made SimCity 4 such a failure of a right, launch. Right, and right. And today they've got a new game called Knockout City. That's mm -hmm. day one on Game Pass because of EA Play as part of that. I got in and it just worked. On yeah. day one, like, and I'm not saying that's like they deserve a gold star for that, but because that's become part of that status quo, that helps them with the general reputation. If they can just make it easy for us to get online, buy their games and mm. enjoy some single player content, and then they happen to make a gazillion dollars taking money from poor suffering children through uh, Ultimate Team, we might be able to live with that. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think yeah. I, the the move to the for the sports games is to go free to play at some point. You know, you can kind of see that starting to happen for sure. Uh, yeah, because people will pay for. I, I mean, I, I I look at my Fortnite. Yes, I I do in fact play Fortnite. Uh, yeah. on a semi regular basis. But I looked at my Fortnite and the number of skins I have <laughs> that I know that I have directly paid for, and I know how much they cost per pop i was like i have spent entirely too much money on this game but i also don't necessarily regret it yeah but i mean if, if you've had fun with it i think ea is prepping like a, like a lot of the studios right now for this metaverse kind of idea you know this this we're always going to have a digital access point to this software out there and the only way to win at that is to make lots of games that's the only way what if what if I can play FIFA but heal the team of Marvel superheroes? Yeah. I don't ask for much. Yeah. That's going to come, Mike. That's happening. <laughs> Isn't that what Ubisoft is going to do with the next Avengers update is just turn it into FIFA? Is that how they're going to save that game? <laughs> oh, God. No. That, look, Square Enix, if you're out there, please fix Avengers or something. Just make it happen. Uh, it's pretty, you know, speaking of uh, games as service, it, it's, I, I like the game. I didn't love the game, but I like the game. And it's pretty sad, though, to, to get emails from Square Enix about a costume that you can put on the characters. You know, like, we got a new costume that's in the marketplace. It's like, yeah. I yeah just, wake, you know, me up when that, wake me up when that costume gives you powers that resemble Spider-Man. That's, yeah. that's an idea. Maybe that could happen at some point. Yeah. Where's the story going? Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, the 20th anniversary of Xbox. I think you guys have uh, both been in the game uh, for a long time. And uh, you guys have been playing. Uh, were you both in the industry as the Xbox was launching? I've been writing about. I don't know about Mike. I've been writing about games since 1996. I'm uh, not quite the 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 savant of of Vic up there. The you know <laughs> the Canadian master who's been writing about games since the ZX Spectrum existed. But actually, 95 is when I started for real. What? Yeah, so only a year a year longer than you. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, Mike. Uh, I, I'm I'm only 11 years, so I was I was a part of the quote unquote real world uh, in a in a adult job capacity before gotcha. I joined. 
Gotcha. We, gotcha. I mean, but but it's funny because the amount of time between the beginning of the Xbox and now in your life is a lot of things for all three of us. Yes. And 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 the same can be said for the craziness of the Xbox roller coaster. I mean, come on, starting with The Rock and Bill Gates yeah. holding that up in Times Square and then somehow that turning into the system in the West for a generation right. and that turning into whatever the heck the VCR concept was that the <laughs> I Xbox mean, we're, we're, was. We're, we're talking Bioware, but Bioware was essentially like it was doing great on PC, but Bioware became what we envision as Bioware, the Bioware that EA wanted to buy yeah. because of the Xbox right, and because Knights of the Old Republic. Like, yeah. That was the game I had Jade not. Jade Empire. Right. I, yeah, I mean, that was until it, that point played a Bioware game. I actually went back after Knights of the Old Republic and played. But what's funny is I think everybody can pick out a different. This was big on PC and the small PC audience loved it. But then Xbox Bungie was there in terms of them being this PC centric developer before. Wow. We you've heard of them. Uh, Bioware, absolutely, with that trilogy of Knights of the Old Republic, Jade Empire, and Mass Effect. And then you've got Bethesda. And let's be clear, Bethesda doesn't become the monster that X that Xbox eventually acquires without Elder Scrolls absolutely right. hitting that whole new world and having everything about that Xbox ecosystem was designed so that games from the PC could happen. Because that was about a few things. The hardware, in terms of resembling x86 architecture, which was huge for the studios that focused on that and didn't have the time to go through all of the crazy hoops that you did on I the- changed the business side. forever when they, they then, kind of made it much easier for developers to create stuff on their machines like and, that. But, but it was also about uh, Microsoft yeah. just having that relationship because they yep. said, We're, this is the direct Xbox. Like we almost, it was almost named that and that <laughs> made so many, when it came to, okay, how the heck do we make money soon without running out of it? Every developer has their version of what the compromise and I think for a lot of PC centric studios, the Xbox was a minimal path to sacrifices. Yeah. Like, you know, you didn't have to kill yourself figuring out a whole new PlayStation 3 or whatever the heck was happening in any given year. It, it, plus, plus dev kits. Like, right. if yeah. you, we don't think about dev kits as part of the development equation as much in this era because it's all ridiculous. But back in the day, man, I think all of us know somebody with some ancient giant weird box that oh, was they, a dev the, kit the for cost per seat back then not only for the dev kits but also the graphics packages and the uh you know the horsepower yeah. to be able to build games it was so freaking expensive it was like fifty thousand a seat you know it was that, just insane and so for xbox what they had to do was live for long enough for bethesda and companies like bethesda to come in and be able to position themselves and make some money because yeah, it doesn't right. work. It's not just the Halo box. It's got and and that first year when you think about they they were they didn't know exactly what to do. They had their own NFL game and that didn't that didn't happen. The they NFL had Blinks. fever. <laughs> that didn't Blinks didn't take us all over. Blinks, even though we got no. to, they had you know, time. Uh, they had uh, Crimson Skies, which was phenomenal, and, and Mech Assault. Um, and then Xbox Live, and they had, uh, you know, games like Battlefield and Rainbow Six, and those were some, and of course Halo 2, those were just some incredible memories for me, you know? Right. That was when uh, Electric Playground was really starting to, you know, get some wings under it, or some wind under its wings, and we were working with Microsoft um, in 2000, I 
think I guess through 2001, which was when they launched the machine. But we had a weekly segment called Xbox Watch because it was all new, right? And there was this incredulity around the business about right. Microsoft being able to even come in and compete, just like there was when Sony said that they were going to come in and, and compete. But it makes me wonder, Vic, what was that like? What about that can you remember? That relationship as a member of the press yeah. being told, because you're trying to come up with things to talk about, write about, and show on television yeah. on a regular basis, and you need that help. And so that was, I mean, it's a different ecosystem now, like video games and television, like you were a very rare gem then, and it's a different world now where like yeah. Conan O'Brien will be on TV with it. But what was that like? Was it, do you recall it being different in a particular way that said they, like, oh, they were this incredible. We had, uh, you know, kind of an open door into Microsoft and we visited with all of the founders like Ed Freeze and Seamus Blackley. Caught up with Seamus in New York City when he had a, a press demo to kind of show things off. And we got a great interview out there. I talked to Ed Freeze about, uh, uh, you know, the corporately, how he had, because Ed had come from, uh, you know, the, 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 the spreadsheet world and Word kind of world, like the more corporate facing Microsoft. That he'd already been there for many years prior to helping to launch this weird and, dream. And but it was changing great. Uh, Jay Allen Brack. Like, yes, like you see Brack prior to being like a face of Xbox. Yeah, it's just like night and day. Like, is that the same guy? Well, you know, and I, it, you know, it, it, this was a company that um, brought in Phil Spencer and Aaron Greenberg's, I think, been there forever. And there's some yeah. hardcore people at, corporately at the senior levels at Microsoft that were just true believers, you know, and uh they also were able to entice a whole bunch of people into the company and get them to move from studios. And of course, people move around uh, and, and they leave. But um, Microsoft, I think, over the years has really kind of learned a ton about the business, but also really proven that they're, they're committed to this. They're here to stay. And clearly what we've seen over the last five, six years is uh, this complete turnaround and this just crazy acquisition uh, bend that the bender that they've been on. It's been amazing. Well, I want to rewind a bit to that that point in 20 years ago when, yeah. when we think about Microsoft and hardware. At that time, it was the Zune. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what year that launched, but it was, you hey. know, in, in a, a similar era. Um, okay. The Zune is the Zune was dope. I had a Zune. And, had a and Zune. it was, but it, did, but it didn't blow up. We have like, pro okay, Zune so here. On, on it had podcast. good ideas, but it didn't penetrate. And then you had Sidewinder hardware on PC, yep. which varied, but you did well and people loved it, but didn't penetrate. Not everybody owns an old Sidewinder thing. Microsoft had some had really cameras and microphones and all, all right. kinds of interface stuff like within Microsoft corporate to interact with the computer. But yes, a console was a radical idea. 100%. And, and and they manage to, I think those kind of extra divisions matter because you can't have someone just make Excel or make Microsoft Windows and stay happy at a company for a long time. And something yeah. like an Xbox galvanized a big organization. I mean, we've seen so many oral histories from different people trying to make it happen, trying to get corporate to say yes. Microsoft is this strange beast to this day where you have all these different teams that are all very good, but they kind of stink at collaborating with each other. And the way that Xbox managed to overcome that stigma and problem to me is really impressive. Now, I will say just to compare to Vic's experience in the early days, I took a break from games writing, switched to writing about music. When I got back into games writing, I moved to Seattle and I was writing for a weekly newspaper in Seattle called The Stranger. And I reached out to Microsoft saying, I broke. We don't have anything going on here. How can you all help me so I can just start writing about Xbox? Not because I'm like, here, give me free games, but like, I'm just 
we're trying to find something to write about. And their team was just unbelievably gracious yeah. and just made it really clear what yep. it is they could and couldn't provide. And I, Xbox I, has always had amazing PR. And when it people. comes to it comes to controlling the conversation in the West, that's not a small part of it. To this day, I think about how they reach out to press and how they reach out to people on Twitch and other videos platforms. Yep. Like that's the stuff that yep. you don't see behind the scenes that has been persist consistent for 20 years. And that that's a small part, not the biggest part. I mean, ultimately, you need built millions of people buying games across the world. But uh, well, they although also it have is their festivals, their you know their Xbox festivals where they bring all kinds of people, and I think they were really um, uh, you know forward thinking with that. You know, there were yeah. lots of events that there were kind of like mini E threes, and they'd go to different countries as well. It wasn't always just in the U.S. They had different events in Canada. They had different events in Mexico and stuff. And one of the things that I really respect about Xbox, and I, I think I really took notice of this, with, was with Gears of War, where they would take the time to create stories about how people engage with their games and how big they mm -hmm. are, uh, you know, how, how much of a fan they are. And they would go off and interview all of these people. Now, all kinds of companies are doing that. We just saw that with Mass Effect, actually, now. But it was pretty forward-thinking back in the day. And, yeah. you know... It, it was cool to see this company that really started as a tech company embrace the artistry and um, do things like put a hard drive in the first machine, you know, which completely revolutionized this business. You know, and it was crazy. Ethernet. And Ethernet. the internet. Yeah. I mean, that's... And Xbox goodness. Live. Oh, yeah. man. Those Dude, the Xbox games. 360 changed. Everything that we are doing is because that company stuck to the same idea that the Dreamcast began with and ran hard with it yeah. and built an entire storefront around it, which let's be clear, dangerous move. When you yes. mess with Best Buy and Walmart and the other, everybody whose ads are popping up in everybody's mailboxes on a weekly basis, that was yep. sacrilege. Well, and the they're time. doing it again with Game Pass. You know, yeah. they're doing it again, even though PlayStation's got PlayStation now and, and uh, you know, Stadia's out there and other people are trying this. Game Pass is, it's gobbling up the subscribers. I mean, There's a lot of happy that, customers yeah. out there. And that's the genius thing that they're at now, which I think this was the beginning of the plan. And the reason they acquired all these studios yeah. is because they just said, look at Netflix. They own so much content that you, yeah. you get on Netflix now and it's very rarely recommending other companies like, yes, some various series that are third party from an old TV network or whatever you know all of the other competitors are trying to gobble up episodes of friends and seinfeld netflix says no no we're good we can make our own content and someone said let's do it we're doing the whole thing so number one gobble up a bunch uh, acquire studios that are aligned with the xbox brand which we just talked about is a lot of pc centric stuff right. and it just works and then, you know there's there's a variety in terms of worldwide uh content but then number two uh, make sure there's different entry points. So that's why the Series S is interesting to me. And that's why xCloud is interesting to me. Because what yeah, they're essentially saying is everyone can try it. Like you can have a crappy internet connection and get a free trial to Xbox uh, streaming and see, oh, this is how much content there is. This is the low barrier to entry. I don't have to download and install. I don't have to wait for patches. My internet connection sucks, but okay, at least I can try it out. And that's huge that they're making it work. It works. It's not perfect. And they've been really clear that it's right. still beta and early and testing-ish and all that. But like, that's they're, they're controlling that in a way that no other company is right now. And, and, and that's the thing, like uh, Stadia and some of the, like I, Stadia's tech actually worked. Like uh, when I was playing the Immortals Phoenix Rising demo, it just loaded up. I loaded it 
plugged in a controller, it works. It's fine. The problem is, is you can't really have that as just the thing. Yeah. Whereas Microsoft is building it. So here's the Series X. Here's the Series S. You can play it on cloud. We're, we're getting the cloud client out there on PC. We're getting it out on mobile. We got Game Pass. If you start a game on xCloud, it'll sync your save. You can download that game in the background somewhere on another, on like Series X, and then start up with that save. And like playing Gears 5, maybe uh, like on xCloud may not be the best experience, but you can at least taste it. Yeah. And then jump right into the console with the same save and account. And it, it, it that's the and what's even works. better than that. What's even better than how cool that sounds is that families can do this. I've got family in Texas and they want to find an entertainment path that works in terms of family controls and in terms of being able to play discs and in terms of being able to access a lot of content cheaply. And Game Pass is it. Like they can, there's occasional discs for the big ticket yeah. stuff. But Game Pass and multiple Xboxes in the same house, they've turned my sister's home into an Xbox home without any, I didn't have to grease any wheels. I didn't have to hand them any free stuff. It was just, that's what's on the market. And they're like, oh yeah, that that totally works for us. And my nephews are 12 and 14 and they are just right at that T for teen point. And they're just blasting the heck out of stuff and co-op and loving it. And like it's, and I feel like that's happening in a way that Nintendo and Sony did not get the memo on necessarily. Yeah, I just yeah. was playing um, Last of Us Part Two in 60 frames per second on the PS5, which was an amazing experience, but it was so um, archaic to have to load up my PlayStation 4 because I went to the cloud and it wasn't there, the save game. So I had to boot up my game on the, or, or at least boot up the PlayStation 4, upload my save to the cloud, and then down. I mean, it's, you know, first world problems here, but it just but felt talking, so... But what you're talking clunky. about is something that Microsoft was solving years ago. I like know. Cloud saves have been there, and that's right. just one of many pieces that they put together to make sure, even when it's annoying, especially with freaking the Windows Store, still a nightmare, still not a great way to access content through yeah. Game Pass on PC. That's not all perfect. That's my biggest beef, is it's such a nightmare to try and use that. But there's so many other parts to the Xbox equation of whether you buy the hardware that they think is best, or you use your own computer, or you get on the cloud, it, it all syncs up and works in ways that are shockingly good. And, let's and talk, to be clear, let's, let's talk about this Bethesda thing and the uh, and Starfield mm. exclusivity. What do you guys think about that? You're Duh. not paying billion. You're not paying uh, uh, billions of dollars to a company uh, in acquiring them and not, you know making your stuff exclusive. It, well, it's it, also, it's funny because we're already in a world where they're publishing PlayStation exclusives. So <laughs> like, really, we're going to, if you're going to whine about anything, it's like, I don't know, you, you pick which which Bethesda exclusive you want on which platform. Like that doesn't, that doesn't shock me at all. Starfield just reeks of, yeah, we want this on Xbox only, just like we wanted Mass Effect on Xbox only for a while. Yeah, because they're, they're looking at Starfield like, like the 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 next Skyrim, the the next you know GTA, something that can sell forever, that draws people in to the platform. And yes, they could put it on everything and just make a ton of money. But for them, what they want is you to come into the ecosystem because then they'll make that money directly. There's no cut that's going to anybody else. Maybe you come in, you buy the console, that's the hardware. You buy the game, it goes to them. And you get Game Pass, 
uh, and that goes for them as well. So for them, the, the idea is to bring you in. Uh, and I think you don't do they... that without killer apps like Sony and the PS4, like for that last two years, survived on like haymaker after haymaker of exclusive games. And that's what Microsoft, like Microsoft and Phil Spencer looked at that and they were like, we can't necessarily do that with the internal studios we have now. And it's so weird because they did have that, right? That's how they launched. And they did get people convinced on Xbox. And, you know, we we make jokes about NFL fever, but it was pretty... It was pretty groundbreaking when it came out. You know, yeah. there was some stuff that Xbox was doing, even as it was figuring it out, uh, that the other companies just, it, it, I mean, there was a higher resolution. There was more texture detail. The games just looked better on that original Xbox. But then they systematically, I guess what they did is that damn Connect experiment. They just pushed everybody <laughs> into that sort of, I, that's the big, one of the biggest disasters in video games ever. Well, and. You want to answer why they would want an exclusive out of Bethesda? The answer is that's how big the connect hole was. That is yeah. how deep they have been climbing out for years. Uh, but what I would say is that Microsoft has, on the record, been a pretty good steward in terms of acquisitions, in right. terms of working with other companies yes. uh, to make sure that their characters or their licenses can work out on other systems and that eventually stuff will come out elsewhere. Eventually, you will... There's a way, and because Microsoft has such a reach with Windows, that's sort of their the branch they throw is, well, you got a yeah. computer, right? I mean, yeah. that, they're never going to come out and say right. that on a stage. They're not going to pull a blizzard like, you got a phone, right? They're not going to, but that's essentially one of the pieces that they know they can whisper into someone's ear is, you've got a computer. Well, it may not be the best, but it'll work. You'll have a, you will have a way to play this, even if you're on PlayStation. And you know what? We're not outside uh, the possibility of launching it elsewhere eventually. Like that could happen. That doesn't mean we're necessarily going to publish on PlayStation because that's its own rigmarole of of agreements. I think my hunch is something like Starfield, a brand new IP, lock it to Xbox for a while, if not forever. Something like Elder Scrolls, I think you're going to see a little bit more timed exclusivity. I think you're going to see something like that, have a plan for eventual launches on whatever i don't know what's going to be big by the time that game comes out in you know 2027 who who, who knows when <laughs> elder scroll 6 is coming but by that time i could see timed exclusivity making more sense because of how big that series is and because someone at the top is going to go that's good for us we will be okay if we put that out on playstation do, do you, six months after do you think we have xbox in 2027 or is it just game pass I think that uh, in the United States, cloud infrastructure is not killing it enough um, to to be. I mean, I, I was just going through this this week of having I've got access to two different ISPs where I live. My neighbor has one and I have another yep. and stealing my neighbor's Wi-Fi, which is not Comcast, gave me better Stadia performance than using Stadia on my wired Comcast home internet connection wow. and they're both priced yeah. about the same because some of these depending on where you live that upload speed and yeah. other parts of the pipeline really matter and so you're not gonna like when i'm saying it, it things like x cloud you can get a taste the taste is not the same as we're done selling you hardware i think what they want to do is they want to give you a bunch of choices and then they want to tell you we have as a first party have made the best option this yeah, box yeah, yeah. this weird crazy series x box is rad and they really 
pulled that off in terms of with Series X and Series S, it's a joy to use. Quick resume, we've all used it in one way or another. And there's other little things about it. Like that's just a darn good box to play a bunch of games yeah, it on. Is. So that's what I see them doing for the foreseeable future is going, you've got options and we're going to continue making the best one. And that's going to drive the conversation. And, and, and part of the logic for all of this, of course, and it's been across Microsoft's whole thing is that the rest of the company does other things. And part of the cloud push is they have Azure. Like they have an entire section of the company that is just cloud stuff. That's where they make and all so, the money is, and is so the services. They're like, yeah. they're like, let's bring them in. Let's make money on them on the content. But mm -hmm. also, how can we connect into the backend? Like how can we make sure, like Connect wasn't a gaming thing. Connect yeah. was a, a Microsoft research thing. Right. That they were like, hey, maybe we can do something with game for it. And and the Xbox itself, as, as Sam brought up, was a, a an extension of DirectX, which was Microsoft. Like like it, it Microsoft and it, it sounds cutthroat when you say it like that, but it, I mean that's part of what a business is. Like well, they, they we knew that they had to find some ticket into the living room, right? They knew that they right. had to, to get in there. And the, when I throw out the idea that Game Pass may supersede Xbox as a brand, whereas, the, I mean, it already feels like they push Game Pass as much as Xbox right yeah. now. Um, I'm not necessarily, I, and the, the thing that makes Game Pass what it is, is that you can download to a machine, whether it's a PC or an Xbox. But conceivably down the road, when we start to see things like this new iMac, which is as thin as a laptop, and that's the the whole computer, you know, or the iPad Pro that's out there right now. Conceivably, uh, television sets in the future are going to have incredible computational um, power and storage built right into them, yeah. you know, the, the screens that we have. And I could just see Game Pass is just part of the TV that you buy as an extra feature and you plug in an ethernet cable and boom, you download it right and, to the machine. And Microsoft wants those subscriptions. They want you to have your payment credentials attached specifically to Xbox. And that's one big reason why we have, this is not a Starfield uh, topic, but that's why Xbox Live Gold is no longer required for free to play yeah, because they right. go, wait, let's get rid of that. If we can get rid of that, we're going to get people to pay like our good friend, Mike, for all of the skins in Fortnite. <laughs> and that's that's you remove that friction wherever possible. And those as soon as you go, oh, purchasing on this is so much easier Then right. they're not paying that extra fee to Best Buy. And they're not paying that extra fee to the gift card purchases at various supermarkets. It's, it's and there there is a currently a legal army. They literally brought up today. Uh, well, not today. It was like yesterday in the Epic Apple trial where they asked Epic like, hey, it, it sounds like you're almost like a dark horse for Microsoft. Uh, which, hey, why not? Again, this is all business. It uh, is. Sometimes the, the moral takes it. But, but that's the kind of thing. Like Microsoft and other companies want you in there. Yeah. Um, because and, then they're not giving money to someone else. And you as a not. consumer, you as a consumer, your response could be, well, F Microsoft for what they did with Bethesda. And boy, there are so many other video games I could buy. Like that is the consumer so conversation that it should be as opposed to the entitlement. Like, hey, listen, if you feel that entitled about what your entertainment should be, how about you invest billions of dollars into it? No? Okay, <laughs> well, then you spend 60 bucks. What, or or even just invest in, in a direction and support a, a company that, that you really believe in. 
Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about this Time Splitters news, which hit yesterday. We got the uh, the tweet from Deep Silver saying that Free Radical is coming. I think, Sam, you were the first person that called attention to this for me because I hadn't uh, checked my email at that time. It was midnight the other night when it when the uh, announcement went out, but Free Radical because is they're, back. Because they're all Europe now. So That's like right. That. David Doak is going to be running things with Steve Ellis, which is crazy. Um, what did you guys think of this uh, Time Splitters news? Well, hold on there, Sonny, while I pull out my walking oh, cane and explain what this time splitting is all about. <laughs> um, time splitters being this very interesting little crystallized piece of the PlayStation 2 generation right. where, I mean, that's the time frame I would put it, where this the, the, the team that brought us GoldenEye and maybe a third to a half of Perfect Dark on the N64 split off because they realized, oh, uh, there's been some oral histories about Rare being a very competitive and perhaps brutal place to work in the 90s, which is mm. part of why some of their brilliant stuff may have come out. I can't speak to that. But that team said, no, nah, we're going to we're going to get we're more out. money. We're going to do this. Goldeneye yeah, right. was big. Goldeneye was the thing. That was the phrase for playing multiplayer together on a screen. So that became the, the phrase. And time splitters in three entries pretty loudly mimicked what made GoldenEye very specifically a first-person shooter on a console. Uh, and it, it, as a result, it feels, this it's this weird thing where imagine GoldenEye on N64, but the frame rate didn't stink. That's sort of what right. you end up with. And what's kind of funny is it feels different because GoldenEye on the N64 was painfully slow as a result of like having to manage with crappy frame rates and things like that. Still wonderfully fun, even if it felt like a slideshow while playing with four players on the same screen. And since uh, they were uh, separate, they could be more jokey and dumb. Than right. They, they, they said, we don't need the bond license in order to make fun of and revel in the bond concept simultaneously. So that's where we got the continuation of this. What I still think is very innovative first person console gameplay that was very mission structured gadget structured and side objective structured it wasn't right. the doom and quake world of find the exit and kill stuff on the way it was about oh no no we add these extra objectives even if they're just go to this point and tap a button you feel like you're doing something that's a little bit more of a role playing of being a hero or from, being a spy. from perfect dark or, or, or that that style of play um Make them. It was a fantastic game. Yeah, it made them and, unbelievably replayable as well, right. right? And and tons of value whether you went single player or with you know all three of the franchises. Well, Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, at least developed by those folks, and then Time Splitters all have this kind of quality of permanence about them. Right, and it, you can take um, Time Splitters two or Future Perfect. I love mm -hmm. them both in different ways. Mm -hmm. and put them right next to Perfect Dark Zero. Yeah. On Xbox 360, you'll you'll immediately tell, call out which is timeless and which is very stuck in an era. Which is not uh, um, but then but then the poor folks at Free Radical who had built up good work and good cred uh, just got uh, the oral history of that whole studio and all of their nightmares and all of their meltdowns. Yes. Uh, and then having to align with Crytek. Oh, that sounded like it was a bad and, time. And this, this is going to be my question. That the, the question that I had from that is. Well, what about Dam Buster? Because if you don't know, a number of those free radical people are already a part of Dam Buster. THQ under yeah. Dam Buster Studios that did Homefront. Yeah, are they uh, are, are, are they still making more Homefront or is that dead now? I during this announcement they said what they were working on. Dead Island 2. Oh, Dead right. Island 2. So yeah. Dam Buster, yeah, Dam Buster as part of the THQ Nordic Smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah. The Embracer Basically, Group. 
as embracers started exploding, they said, oh, these are qualified people who have real, real credentials in the gaming world, but have for one reason or another kind of gone astray. Oh, but we also have Dead Island 2 and that's its own mess. So let's grab that very good studio and have them patch Dead Island 2 towards maybe ever existing and being a real game. Yeah. And that's what they've been working on up until this point. That's all we've heard about. They are in Nottingham in England. Right. Uh, Free Radical, the brand new thing, uh, which, by the way, Free Radical's name was changed to Damn Buster. Now a separate thing called Free Radical exists. Right. Also, that's, that's why I was saying. Also in Nottingham, England. They are going to be side by side. Well, the and, new one. Oh, and is Deep Silver. Up. Is Deep Silver owned by Embracer as well, though? Yeah. Yes, and that's, okay, how they, so, that's how they got Dan Buster. So it was uh, when Homefront the Revolution was coming out. Yeah. Free Radical became Dan Buster. Dan Buster was under Deep Silver. And so they got acquired. Oh, okay. And that's why I like it. So it's, they're, it's just, very they're, weird. they're diversifying a, a team and splitting them off and letting, letting them kind of run with what they want to do. It's for here. I'm the tea leaves that I'm reading are that the people who are finishing up at Dead Island 2 are saying, okay, we want to, this is our next thing. This is what we want to do. And Embracer slash Deep Silver slash whomever said, okay, fine. You can start pre production right now with the high level directors who are bored so that you don't leave and that you're still happy and that we all work together on the IP and the whole rest of the team is going to finish the other thing. And who knows what those two shops will look like once Dead Island 2 is wrapped or sent off. Crazy. Right. And uh, Sam I am 111 points out, and I think Matthew Nugent uh, Marcoux pointed it out yesterday, uh, Dan Buster included the HD remaster of Time Splitters 2 inside of Homefront the Revolution, which was... As uh, an arcade cabinet, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of um, cool. Which was then unlocked by cheat codes that were discovered years later, yeah. which someone m mentions in a Discord channel randomly, says he lost them, someone else went back and reverse engineered to find it. It's a very buggy port. I've I've unlocked it and confirmed it works and then it just crashes on my computer and on my playstation 5 repeatedly mm -hmm. it's not it's not the true time got it going on your playstation 5 amazing well, listen <laughs> listen over here at the muscovich house we do things fancy um but i do um, uh yeah so i was i was just saying like and, and uh, again part of the weird thing is like like david doke is one of the names david doke and steve ellis who were you know founders they left um Damn free Buster. radical, like damn Buster, free radical, yeah. that whole in that mess, um, and did other things. I think uh, what's his name, uh, David Doke, started making Facebook games or something like that, right? Uh, for a while, and so this is sort of bringing them back into the fold, and um, which is I like really exciting and and really cool. Like hopefully they have a peer performance. It's interesting again, as Sam points out there in Nottingham. I've been there. Yeah, uh, I went there for Homefront the Revolution. There's not a lot in Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> that's often a secret to good, make good game making. And that's why there haven't been too many um, Hawaiian game studios. Because if you have too many things to do when you're outside, it's it's harder. You know, That's why Canada has been so kick-ass at making games, I think. <laughs> Wait, so are you saying that nobody makes games in the summer when the nights are long in Canada? Is that it? <laughs> I think it gets a little bit harder. Uh, I do think that that's that and the tax credits i think in uh montreal because it's I don't, have you guys been to montreal in the winter yes oh my goodness right you want to be indoors you want to yeah. be playing games or making them i think but just a real quick return to nottingham you know the scenic mm -hmm. nottingham uh <laughs> i think what we were just talking about with ea's one-two punch of success 
with older style games, uh, Jedi Fallen Order as a single player, tightly wrapped experience and Mass Effect Legendary Edition as a remaster that gets it right. This could be the time for something like Time Splitters to be done on a reasonable scope and do fine. And I think that uh, the the ecosystem of Embracer slash THQ Nordic slash Deep Silver is them just going, we just want to make a bunch of stuff that each thing makes a little bit of money. That's yeah. what it seems like. They don't seem like they're obsessed with the kind of quarterly growth and, oh, your game wasn't the biggest, biggest hit, so it's toast. Like I think right do- now we're in this, and it, this kind of dovetails into the next topic here. I think we're in this period of... Uh, building a library, uh, building an asset pool, because there's going to be this perpetual access to this. And I think one of the secrets for Time Splitters to succeed is to not try to one up the top, you know, tech that's out there, not try to be the yeah. the slickest looking, uh, you know, Unreal Five experience that exists out in the world. Just be a really fun game that can even look dated, but still plays really, really well. Uh, but there's I will also say part- I was just going to say, it's also about the wise business acquisitions of lapsed Nickelodeon licenses. Oh, we just redid a SpongeBob game and wow, it made money because it turns out there's a new, there's an audience that's going to continue buying certain properties like Pokemon continues selling every eight years to a whole new generation. They are willing to make those kinds of deals in ways that are very different than the ones that Microsoft makes. And, And also graphics and tools have gotten to the point that the, the, the B grade, the middle grade studio still looks good can do some very fantastic things. Uh, yeah. There is an upcoming game called Biomutant that looks great from a team of 20. Yeah, uh, There are games like Shadow Warrior 3 that look like, you know, the, the, the graphical level is almost to that AAA level. Yeah. And then we've uh, got all of these fantastic. great, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that Tribute's working on. I mean, that stopped right. traffic, right? It's, you know, gamers have progressed to a point where it's like, it doesn't need to be the the slickest, shiny. It's great if it is. Like, we're all excited about Ratchet and Clank, but it it, it will be fine if the gameplay is just incredible, you know? And I, I, yeah. that's where time splitters can kind of sneak in here. And also because of this time travel thing that it's core to its principles and core to its, uh, you know, philosophy, it can go forever. They could just keep making new, you know, chapters to this for forever and ever. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, these mergers that are happening. Um, some, uh, it, it's happening not just in the gaming space, uh, but there the, was the huge announcement this week that kind of catapulted everything was this AT&T uh, working with Discovery and yeah. uh, Warner Media is looped in there. Uh, this crosses a lot of brands that may not mean a whole bunch to uh, our audience or to the three of us all that much, like uh, the Food Network. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's a great network. I don't I don't watch that that often. Uh, but uh, Warner Brothers Games and DC Comics are also looped into this. Yep. What are your thoughts on this merger and what does this mean for the video game business, but also media in general? Hold on, let me set a timer and see how long Mike goes on about this. I have a feeling it's going to be a minute. <laughs> All right, so so essentially what happened here uh, is that uh, AT&T uh, bought a whole content company back in the day, uh, a couple of years ago, with the idea that they were going to do soup to nuts, full distribution, infrastructure, content, whole line. And then they found out that making content is hard. Yeah. So what they have done is they- Especially have, during a pandemic. Right. They have mostly divested themselves of Warner Media, uh, and they are merging it with Discovery, which again, people are like, what? Uh, Discovery? Not realizing that there's a whole bunch of 
not necessarily old people, but let's say old people and general folks that watch a lot of stuff that Discovery makes and don't think about it. We, yeah, we don't watch HGTV. a lot of TV here in our house, but HGTV is a network that is on. My my daughter and my wife love the design shows. And so those, right. that we will have that on. There's a lot of stuff like House Hunters, Chopped, that people will put on in the background and not actively watch. Yes. But if you're there, that still counts. It's it's peak it's peak dentist office content is what I would call some of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Discovery has made a, a nice niche and a lot of money doing. It. Yeah. And so the new company, we don't know what it's going to be called, Discovery Warner, Warner Discovery, whatever, is going to essentially be run by the CEO of Discovery. Yeah. Um, because AT&T just they they're washing their hands of it. Like we're out. AT&T shareholders get like 71% of the overall company. Yeah, you know what I read today, and I don't know if this is true, but there's speculation, you know, that HBO Max has that uh, day and date thing because of the pandemic. Uh, Apparently, that was just such a huge money loss for Warner Brothers and AT&T that they just said, we got got to save this sinking ship. Yeah, and and even if it did fine in the money and bring in subscriptions... uh, from a content perspective, it was a bad choice because they didn't talk to any of the content. Creators. Yeah, they didn't. Like they pissed off a lot of them. So now you have this new company that is essentially, and I, I need them to bring Max and Discovery Plus, which is Discovery's together, because having, uh, you know, HBO, Turner Classic Movies, which is on Max, and like DC Entertainment alongside like shopped and house hunters for me is just like let's go yeah i'm very excited about this <laughs> wait i my, my counter is do you do you honestly not think that they don't go the disney route where they have hulu and disney plus and they say these are different spheres do you really think that they're better they off can, they can go both um and they they literally said in the thing they had an interview with some of the uh executives and i think it's early enough that they don't know like they have no idea yeah if they if it's possible or even feasible like i'm sure it's possible but is it feasible from a content perspective to put all that on one platform or is it better to just say we have two services we're going to bundle it for a discounted price i think they're going to put it all into one and and i'll i'll give you an example of what's going on with discovery plus because we don't have hulu in canada and so discovery plus looped in the fox acquisitions and uh uh, some Hulu stuff is also airing on Discovery or uh, Disney Plus, sorry, you know, in Canada. So uh, Modoc is is on Disney Plus here, but it's in okay. it's kind of partitioned off a little because there's an adult version of Disney Plus. You guys have Star. You guys and have, we have Star. Star. Yeah, and yeah. I think Star is coming to Disney Plus in the U.S. eventually. No, it's not. Oh no, no, no! no. I'm now. just shaking my I'm just shaking my head <laughs> in terms of when regions and territories and all of the deals that that preceded all of these mergers yes. and all of these streaming services. It just seems like a mess. I feel, I mean, I went from Ireland to Northern Ireland on a trip two years ago, back when we went on trips and just watching how all of the apps changed as soon as I crossed a border just it's blew so my weird. mind. It's, yeah. There's so much yeah, of that. The, but- the, the Hulu side of, of, for us in the U S the problem is that it's partially owned by NBC universal. Yeah. Um, and at some point there is a deal that Disney has to pay NBC universal. For the rest of that 
Well, and I th- and this is the so. uh, the speculation that might happen because um, Zaslav, who is now going to be the new CEO of everything, yes. uh, came from Comcast and worked at uh, NBC Universal or in that space. So that might be the next tier on this acquisition. But uh, and we're seeing Paramount. Uh, or uh, is it no? Who's Amazon's? Oh, MGM. They're gonna uh, Amazon, Amazon is buy. about to buy MGM. It's nuts, and, man. Um, and nope. NBC Universal, it, 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 as part of one of the, the Warner stories, that NBC Universal wanted to buy Warner Media, and now they may turn their eye towards Viacom, CBS, which is Paramount Plus, Nickelodeon, all of that. Unreal. Um, and and the issue, of course, uh, with all of these, and the reason that this is happening is. Uh, even on the game side, you, you need a library. You need a you need the library, library you need the subscribers. to pull people in. And the only way that, say, a Viacom can compete or like a Peacock is just by buying another company and merging and putting all that library into one yeah. big. And, and this was the problem that Warner Media had and Discovery together sort of patches over holes that either of them had. Totally, even into the sports um, space. How many right. how many subscriptions do you think uh, you know a regular household is going to want or you know afford or care about? What do you think? I mean, that's that's a matter of how yeah. many of them let you share passwords. I mean, I think we all know about the dance that people <laughs> do, where you got a friend and you go, "All right, what do you what do you got? I got Netflix. <laughs> what do you got? You know, do that that unofficial trade." And we're going to see how much clamping down happens there. Um, yeah. But ultimately, and, and ultimately, what happens to games? What happens to yeah, games? That, that's what I was about to say. So, like the the, the real uh, question mark here is what happens to the the larger side of WB Games? Yeah. And I think uh, back when there was reports that they were going to be splitting up companies, the ones that made logical sense, like they're never going to divest themselves probably in NetherRealm because Mortal Kombat is a very strong multimedia property right so they want the game they want to be able to do and and also the alternate of mortal Kombat for another realm is the injustice games which are dc comics so what they have is a good steward that plays on both sides of the pond um and they in fact just announced an injustice animated uh film or series yep. or next year like yeah um so another realm, like if they were going to split it up, would probably not go anywhere. Rocksteady is definitely like on the line because they're working on the Suicide Squad game. Yeah. Um, and then the the folks working WB Montville on Gotham Knight, where it gets a little fuzzier, is like Hogwarts Legacy is Avalanche. Uh, when that comes out, does it do well? Does it not? It sounds should. like Monolith might be, uh, you know, with the EA news. I mean, if you read between the lines, it sounds like Monolith might be on the chopping block right here. Yeah, Monolith is the one that we don't know. Like, have they been working on another Mordor game? Because right. that's sort of... And, and and I think what you, you have is the same thing that they already had, which is, hey, how does what game you're making play with what we're doing over here? Right. Um, I mean, I've, I've, read, I've read these reports these features the jason schreier books i've just read press reset and anybody in the audience if you haven't read press reset go get it it's a wonderful book because it humanizes this whole soup of 
you know, we're at the top level. What game, what's game's going to come out? What's not? And you see this just soup of new executive comes in with yeah. uh, on a higher level at a different part of the company and everything goes kaput. And there's a whole thing just about Disney inside of Jason Schreier's book, which is about all of these different people saying, well, this is what matters now. And that was at a time when um, uh, Warren Spector had been brought in. We're doing Epic Mickey. Yeah. We're doing Epic Mickey. It's going to be this dark Mickey world. We're going to be truly, we're there. We're with AAA Wii games because the Wii is huge and we're going to do it. Well, you know, midstream, someone said, what about Facebook? What about Farmville? Why yeah. is that? Who? Somebody at the very top is counting the beans and going, well, wait, I don't care about fun. I'm looking at the beans. We need yeah. to we need yeah. to be in the Facebook beans. And then that became its own mess. And only now are we even beginning to see Disney kind of get its stuff together and go, well, we kind of really screwed the pooch years ago. So we just have to have partnerships. And one of the partnerships was EA. And that was okay but it started off real messy like yeah, how right. many things were canceled because of different executives at ea and disney fighting each other so i say all of that because i imagine this whole situation is going to be nothing but doom i don't see anything better than at&t and warner at least establishing a track and going these are the games that match up our licenses it seemed like they were all at least going okay we own harry potter and we own mortal Kombat. let's okay and DC, okay, let's let's get stuff going and let's be combined. So you think they're going to start just bleeding studios? I just, I, I just think my assumption, based on decades of all of this stuff happening, yeah. is that they could have come so out by now. Expensive to make these games, right? And that's, they're, they're, that's what it's going to look at. If the executives don't come out and make really clear what the plan is, yeah. and, and how that plan accounts for games taking three years minimum. Yeah, because no matter how big or small, once you get to a certain yeah. number of people, you need that three years. And not every executive looks at a project and goes three years. You <laughs> when you say three years, you're thinking, oh, well, that's a movie starring Timothy Chal Chalamet. It's going to make a bazillion dollars. OK, three years, whatever. You yeah. don't get that same confidence from executives and video games necessarily, especially yeah. if they're like, wait, that. This isn't a battle royale. What or what? As whatever executive comes in with whatever conception they have, mm. it just creates more crappy variables. Now, some of these games that are announced that we know about, which Mike had already listed off, still could do just fine. But the longer term potential has me has me scared. Yeah, and, and one of them, I was thinking when they said they were going to set it up, I was like, I, logically, TT Games, which does the Lego games, those sell well. Yeah, but I I see logically. Lego just started its own internal development studio for games. Oh, did they? Lego, yeah, it's called the Light Spark or something like that. Wow, um, is that where but, Arthur went? Uh, I think so. But but the the, the logical thing is, why not just buy? Like Lego should just buy TT Games. Yes, they like, should. That's all they do. Yeah, all they do is make Lego games. They sell very well. Yeah, Lego doesn't need to like have a deal with them just buy tt games and keep it, it really it, it's like uh it's like that in television game the uh the shark game where the fish just keep getting <laughs> gobbled up by bigger fish you know it's it's insane what's yeah, happening and, and, and there's a whole bunch of wb studios that people don't think about which are mostly either smaller acquisitions or pass off of old midway because a lot of people don't realize that wb yes. owns all of the old midway stuff which is how they got NetherRealm. Yeah. So, like, there's a bunch of, like, WB, like, Boston, uh, WB, like, something, San Diego or something like that. They have, a, 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 like, another, like, five or six small just WB games and a location. 
Yeah. And most of those, I have to. Yeah. Figure that they're I mean, bad. we have a we have a perfect recent example, and that's the whole Stadia development studio and all of those people. You know, brought in lots and lots of uh, you know money spent and and big promises, and then nothing comes out of it, and they're all out of jobs, and they're all scrambling. That's the so human my, story of it. Yeah. But I mean, my my vote here is that they hire me as a consultant slash creative director <laughs> of all the stuff, and I say, hey, we've got a whole bunch of classic series. How do we get these into players' hands? We could either yes. do a limited a limited edition arcade one up style cabinet series yep. that has. The oh, all the classic mid Midway stuff? Just just yes. start with that. That'll create the money that we can use to start doing some experiments and seeding a mix of previous series and new weird things and then tie-ins with our media. What, when are we going to get the Discovery Plus video game series? I don't, I, I'm trying to think of which reality series they have that would line up with some really stupid <laughs> um, freemium endless runner yeah, I'm mobile. Sure, I'm like, sure it's out there, Sam. Stuff like that. I'm, I'm sure it's saying. out there. It's, but my um, feeling is there's, you, they've got enough, if they've got those IPs, you leverage those and you find small little bits and you do okay. But currently, it just seems like more of a mess than a unified strategy. And the reason I say that is because I think we've got a DC superhero girls game coming out that Nintendo produced yeah. that WB gave the Warner gave the license to. Uh, I don't know about y'all. I ain't heard a thing about that game right. other than like a couple of tiny murmurs. So like, well, I mean, the me fact that WB games didn't have an announcement tied to this big announcement is problematic. And DC didn't either, you know, like all of these different yeah. verticals should have been able to have their own message about what their future is. But and also like, two days later, we get all of this animation stuff. We know that the long Halloween part two, we know the Batman Cape Crusader. We know that my adventures with Superman Injustice is announced. So it, it feels like a lot of work is going on behind the scenes, but how does it fit with this new regime? Yeah, and I, I feel Monolith is probably in that if they're not already working on a Middle Earth game. Yeah. Like right now, Amazon has the Lord of the Rings the television yeah. show license. Yeah. Yeah. And That's so a, I, a great I, I feel, And they're both in Seattle. That makes perfect sense right. to acquire and, that. And so yeah. I, I feel like Monolith is sort of, if they're not already working on a Middle Earth game, WB looks down at that and goes, well, we don't own lord of the ring like we have the movies of course yeah but we won't own the tv show right so we would much rather you work on some if they keep them around uh, it's we so would much rather you work on something we it's own. so weird that we are talking about it thinking <laughs> about what they're going to like they should have the statement about that there shouldn't be this confusion about what their studios are going to be. I mean, and, they, and, and ch chances are we're going to hear from it in the near future that at&t didn't help matters one bit. no i know that they were probably already yeah. struggling to come up within the past three years some sort of brand new strategy based on whichever executive showed up at that time and said oh video games my yeah. son likes those yeah. yeah and 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 they don't i i don't think at this point that they know yeah because like again the, these talks have been happening for a while but for example the ceo of warner media jason Kilar apparently wasn't a part of these no things. he's out yeah he, but it's he, almost he, like he last year with, with the first dc fandom and the week before it was happening they laid off a whole bunch of staff at dc comics right. and it's it like guys that i mean the timing yeah. is not good here and dc comics is another one of those where i think like financially if you're the larger your corporation is you're looking at it and you're like yes we, we already own these characters yeah and yes you kind of need that side to 
workshop characters and new ideas for eventual movies, shows, etc. But then they look and they're like, but why are we spending so much doing that? Yeah. Like, uh, making comics this? has got to be one of the most affordable ways to R&D the future stories for characters that resonate in a bunch of different ways, though, I would imagine, right? I mean, it's... Well, it it's, depends. And, and that's why they, they cut a lot of editors who had been there for a while. Like, like creatively, they didn't so much cut on creative teams. They cut inside of DC yeah, Comics yeah. as, a, as an operation. So, like, executives, editors, those people went. And then they probably turned to the existing editors and said, you're the one that survived. You take on like another two or three books. Yeah, yeah. And and make it happen. Um, and I think some of that corporately will probably happen on the game side. All right. Well, listen, this is a rabbit hole, and we could have dedicated this whole thing to the yeah. media mergers that are. Hold happening. on. Wait, wait, wait. I just checked my timer. Mike was talking for 27 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, all of us have thoughts on this, and it's very Absolutely. weird, and it's all tied into subscription and all like, every media partner everybody's trying to think about how to netflix their reality right now um uh, but let's talk about um uh some full-on conjecture and i know you both probably know some stuff that's going to be revealed but um uh, let's try to uh have some predictions here for what e3 is going to bring us next month uh, i'm going to limit it to three each okay Oof. so who wants to start uh, well i'll yeah. start with uh the fact that one of one of them is is easy because we just saw a tease for it. I'm just clicking around here while we're talking. Yeah. Uh, it looks like one remaster, and therefore my, my this answer is just going to be remaster, 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 <laughs> uh, because Crisis Two has been teased. Okay. Now, is it actually Crisis Two? Dunno, but makes sense after Crisis Remastered. Uh, you know, they finally got it working in a way where yeah. it actually is performant on computer and next gen consoles. Uh, so I just see this being a great time for the studios who in the middle of 2020 said, oh, crap, how do we get something out? Yeah. Um, so I just think it's going to be a remaster soup. And I'm not saying this because I've gotten emails about a bunch of them. That's just my assumption. I'm actually kind of shocked that the Time Splitters news didn't include something of them being like, oh, yeah, maybe yep. we're going to do a remaster and it'll be out by the end of the year, which yep. maybe that'll happen. I don't know. But that's it that's my that first. We're finding out about it like two weeks before E3, you know, or three weeks before E3 or whatever. Yeah. But again, because E3 is this amorphous blob as of right now. We have the official thing. We have whenever there's an Xbox event, they are yep. kind of aligned. We have when Nintendo, whenever Nintendo decides to announce things, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I will stop there and I will let Mike take his first pick. Cool. Uh, yeah. And mine is sort of on the other side of that. And, and like, if you look at movies right now, like people are like, man, the Super Bowl trailers were real boring. Uh, that's because they gave us trailers at the last Super Bowl. And those <laughs> yeah. movies haven't come out yet. <laughs> and games is, I, I think E3 is going to be the same way yeah. in that what we're getting are going to be games that would probably have come up towards the end of last year or at the beginning of this year that have gotten pushed back and we just haven't seen a ton like like uh far cry 6 is a good example rainbow six quarantine right uh for forespoken games that we already know about that just couldn't come out on time and so now that they're coming for the latter half of the year like maybe so, we'll get a, some new stuff but not as much i think as previous years. what would you okay well let's um uh... 
let's pivot the question a little bit. What would you what would you like to be revealed that you think is realistic at, at this E3? Um, I'll tell you, I want one big badass racing game. Okay. And I don't know if it's going to be Forza or Gran Turismo or some like maybe Project Cars 77. I don't know. Um, but I just think that's what I want to see. I just glance over at my giant Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 towering over there. But that to me seems like a really cool way to quickly impress upon fans. Here's beautiful content that doesn't work on older consoles right. that we can release early yeah. and add more content later, which I right. think is like a way you get that out by the end of this year. A new need uh, for speed for this gen would be pretty rad. Any of it, but just some, yeah. it, with, with any of the SIM ones, it could be a deal where you, you get the base package and then it keeps on growing over time because yeah. Microsoft Flight Simulator kind of did this where they right. said, we can fly anywhere on the globe and this is a 10-year plan and we're going to have more chunks as time good. goes along, yeah. more nations that are built up nicely. Yep. And I'll tell you, man, I'm going to say it. I heard years ago, I've hinted to this, but there was, there was a thing called Forza X that was in development that would have been a free-to-play Forza that would have just kept on going as eternally and done the legal yeah. legends model with certain cars that are only unlocked at a certain time and you can spend money to keep them permanently unlocked. And I'm not saying that that's ever going to happen. I think that was just an experiment. It might have just been in pre-production and then fell apart, but it was certainly bandied around over at turn 10. And I could see this in the Game Pass universe. Totally. That a this could finally be the time that they pull the trigger on going, this is the Forza product from 100%. here on out yeah. with with and flight Nick, simulator and blur horizon and the sort of more sim oh i don't thing. i don't see that ever happening no i, I, I think I, they'll they'll be separate because okay they, okay they, they, they also because the horizon team is making fable and who knows yeah, when the hell that'll right, ever right, be true yes. but yeah that's uh, my that's what i want to see in that believable but still fingers crossed way is some sort of it's coming out this year it's going to have ray tracing it's going to have giant race tracks that just extend as far as the eye can see in ways that a past gen console can't that's what i want I like that. What about you, Mike? Um, it's kind of tough, to right? It's still so weird. It's it's so it's. I'm going to say we're going to see we're we're going to see a little bit of Fable. It's not going to come out this year. We're no. going to see a little bit of it. yeah. Um, Halo Infinite review reveal that's coming. Yeah, like they 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 don't have much of a choice. It's it's coming. Uh, and again, like part of the problem is the stuff that we already know. Far Cry yeah. 6, um, The Last of Us remake, maybe we'll get a teaser. Um, kind of like the first time we saw The Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. Uh, like a few years And then it'll come out next year with the show? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say um, we're going to... It's the 35th of Metroid, right? Am I getting the dates right? It's the 35th of Zelda. Is it also the 35th of uh, Metroid? I think it is. Yep. I think we're going to see some 2D Metroid stuff some beautiful 2D Metroid stuff. And we're going to get a, uh, a 22, 2022 announcement for Metroid Prime 4. So tied around Metroid. But I don't think we're going to get this Super Switch at E3. Well, yeah, that's that's a big question mark because of uh, Nintendo as a powerful company almost yep. certainly got in as soon as the chip shortage even began to happen and say, this is what we need and we're not asking. So I am not against... I could see them waiting until later in the year 
to do something. Like maybe they wait until July to do an announcement because they need to time it exactly with the number of months between announcement and release. Yeah. I don't think the Switch Super Switch Pro, uh, Super Switch 64, I don't think it's impossible for this year. I think that it's a wacky time and I wouldn't, It's it's. I, I mean, that's terrible Vegas thoughts. It's a terrible guess either way because yeah. either pick yeah. is stupid. Like it's never going to happen or it's definitely going to happen. But Quarter one, I, 2022 with I mean, Breath of the Wild too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing is I think that's Breath of the Wild doesn't get here this year because I think we would have they would have been eager to say something at the last, you know, when Skyward Sword HD was announced. I think they would have been eager to give us some sort of hint if and, that was going to happen this year. And it'll be 400 bucks in the States because what, what, the regular switch is 299 right now. Right. right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, 399 if they're doing what's been rumored, which is yeah. some some a beefed up Tegra. I don't know if it's going to be X1 Plus or X2, but something that has some sort of tensor cores in it, not ray tracing cores, just tensor cores in order to fuel deep learning super sampling, DLSS, yeah. right. which as we, I don't know if anyone in the, the listenership has not seen DLSS in action yet, but revving that up with Minecraft and ray tracing turned on is incredible. It's they amazing, really, yeah. NVIDIA's done the work to make it better sometimes than raw pixels and temporal anti-aliasing. Uh, I mean, TAA has its own issues, but when it comes to my guess for Nintendo and E3, I think it's going to be some wacky out of nowhere nostalgia package. And it, it's not going to necessarily be this, but something equivalent, the N64 classic, right? Whether it's a switch app or some sort of product, that's this thing that they know there's interest for. N64 nostalgia is insane right now. You go huge, to any yeah. resale store, be great. the prices are high. So what better time to get NERD, the European uh, emulation house that's been kicking butt, and just see like, all right, guys, it's a weird time for Nintendo. We don't have the stuff out yet. N64. And then yeah. you're going to have every YouTube video of the N64 kids screaming. It's going to be like that. That to me is one way that Nintendo could <laughs> Just piece together. The, the grown up kid that opened the N64 at Christmas right. time is screaming. Oh, he, about, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm calling him on Zoom the instant <laughs> yeah. that happens just to see what he has to say. And, but my uh, point is, I see something like that. And when you say 2D Metroid, that's another way where they could get there. But some sort of package. Yeah. Because Nintendo is not shy about repackaging old stuff with nice touches like Famicom Detective Club, which is like, really? The, the, the United States? All which right. came out of nowhere, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, so and I see I see them having some sort of something similarly Megaton, and I, it's definitely not Earthbound. Whatever it is, it's not Earthbound. <laughs> I, I think or they could have delivered a Switch Pro or Super Switch or whatever this year. But I think they also looked at the numbers that they're getting, like, they're like, wow, we are selling hand over foot yeah. with nothing. Yeah, we're, we're we're barely putting out anything new, and we're still selling switches out like it's nobody's business. So let's just ride this out for a while. Yeah. I have a counter for that. The, the The recent news they have come out and been really bold about switch sales. Twenty percent of them being to people who already own switches. I think they want that. I think that they can have both switches exist yeah. and they can yeah. sell. They're yeah. like, Oh, let's, let's get that number up from 20% to 55%. Like yeah. I, that is why I think that still fits into their package because they're looking like we can't stop selling them. If we make two types, we're going to blow the whole place up. Goodbye. PlayStation and Xbox. Like, well, and, and especially with the switch light, right? Like no one's going to really be that comfortable carrying around their expensive super switch out there, but people absolutely. will say they can play most of those games on the switch light. Yeah. Um, uh, am I off the wall? I'll, I'll do one off the wall. Okay. Ghost of Tsushima 
DLC Two. or a side. No, like a DLC. Oh, DLC. Like okay. what they what they did with Miles because Miles on PS5. Oh yes, sold a good bit more probably than I think they expected. Right. Because it's one of like the flagship PS5 games right. now, even though it was just an extra. So I, I would see, I could see them turning That'd be great. to, um, if we hadn't heard that Days Gone hadn't. Wouldn't it be amazing if we got like a Spider Gwen game from Insomniac? I, I think they'll probably, I think Insomniac has moved on after Ratchet to Spider-Man 2, like full, like, and maybe Gwen goes in there as well. Um, but it's I, exciting I guess, to think about, you know, because they're really shifting the whole pre- and this is exactly what Warner Brothers should be doing, right? They have all of these amazing characters. They should just go deeper into their library and distribute them across uh, yep. different developers. Easier yeah, said so than Ghost done. So Ghost of Tsushima, like a little like, hey, this did very well. Cool. And Ghost of Tsushima looks great on PS5. Do you think maybe you could throw like an extra DLC, like the same thing we did with Miles, just for Ghost of Tsushima. I think that's... My my crazy to pile on that is we're going to see something that's very specific about PlayStation VR 2, because I don't think people see it coming this year. I don't think people see right. that announcement. It doesn't right. mean it's coming out this year, but I think they're going to take some sort of, you would never have expected this on VR to mm. come with PlayStation VR 2. So I don't know if that's Ghost of Tsushima, I don't know if it's a Gran Turismo that's actually good in VR. Uh, I don't know if it's Vib Ribbon VR. Dude, a Spider-Man VR game. But I think think that's going to be, you know, we're going to get Horizon Forbidden West. We're going to get some sort of splashy, limited early look at uh, God of War Ragnarok or what, uh, um, like, it's not going to be enough. It'll be like, whoa, that's cinematic and that's it. Uh, And then it's going to be some sort of, whoa, VR thing. That's what I think. I think they're going to, they're going to have one thing in VR that people go, really? You didn't do that at VR exclusive? That's some balls. Like, well, that's what Jeff, I see. Jeff Keeley's got the Summer Game Fest, and he's been tweeting that people are going to be shocked because these uh, video reveals don't necessarily have to be these lo- you know, huge live presentations. So um, the time from them, uh, the companies showing us some of this stuff to us being able to play them might be shrunk considerably, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, and I mean, they're, 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 the logos that he put in that, are it's a good mix of like indie and larger companies. And I think there's, you know, like some stuff, I, I think there's probably going to be another XCOM, like another full XCOM. Cool. Um, just looking at the general timetables with certain studios and being like, it's about time. It's about time for you to do it. Also, I wouldn't be shocked to see Riot decide to show big stuff in their game? 27 games. Riot games. They have yeah, so the fight, many. The fighting game that they'll probably do. I, I feel mm-hmm. the fighting game is probably the first. But, well, it's not just what they've announced, but probably what they haven't announced. I think there's even mm-hmm. more happening than what they've announced. Right. And then my last, my last super crazy thing. It may not be E3 timed, but this summer, you guys saw that uh, that that video of Gabe Newell talking about oh, console yeah. stuff and Steam. Yeah. You think oh a, a Steam console is finally going to be here? Oh, oh, I don't. I, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say what he was hinting to. He was speaking very vaguely. 
<laughs> but well, I live in Seattle, and I'm that, hitting the mute button. <laughs> that would be crazy. You know some stuff. Uh, that's why I love having these guys on. This is Sam Moscovich and Mike Williams. Make sure you follow them on Twitter and read their stuff. Um, they're always breaking cool news and digging into this industry in lots of wonderful ways. Love having you guys on. Thank you so much for being here, you two. Vic, it's always fun to have you give me a reason to listen to Mike drop the wisdom. Uh, (laughs) It's always a good time with the two of you. I appreciate it. You guys rock. We'll see you soon. Thank you for watching. We'll see you soon. And until then, play forever. (laughs) 